Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. And before we get into the story for the week, just a little uh, advert uh, in August, in fact, on the 19th of August, we're running a webinar uh, on success stories, and it's designed to help you learn how to tell a success story that's going to help you sell. And so 19th of August, we're running two sessions, one designed for the Americas and the other one designed for APAC um, and, uh, and Europe. They're only 45 minutes, so it's a really um, a quick dip, but a great outcome uh, learning how to tell a success story. So on our, on our uh, website, anecdote.com forward slash events, all the details are there. And so if you're interested in learning how to use a success story to, to sell or even just to uh, do an elevator pitch, then that's a, a, a really useful uh, webinar to attend. Yeah, it's a free webinar, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And of course, um, uh, Mike has been, uh, Mike Adams has been doing this for many years and he's a, he's a, a deep expert in it. Yeah, he'll be learning from the best. Cool, cool. Now, I believe you've got a story for us. One of the types, one of my favorite story types, the story from scientific research. Yeah, and I was thinking of you as I was, as I was uh, researching this, uh, Is that this right? particular story. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I know how much you love them. Okay, far away. Bring it on. Rightio. So what would you say if I told you that adding a single word could dramatically increase the likelihood that people are going to do what you ask them to do. I'd want to know about that. That's pretty cool. Well, some research in the late 70s. uh, The research was conducted in 1977 and published in 1978. And the researcher was a a lady called Ellen Langer. So Ellen with an E. And uh, she was a psychologist at Harvard, now a professor of psychology, heads up the psychology department at Harvard University. She and some colleagues conducted a really simple but profound experiment that changed the way we think about uh, human behavior. And the experiment was very simple. They were in a, a campus and they had a, there was a photocopier. And the experimenter would wait until somebody lined up to do some photocopying, and then the experimenter would try to cut in. And there was three different uh, reads or three different interventions that the that the researcher used to try and cut in. The first one was was uh, really just a request. Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the Xerox machine? Right. And I was quite surprised. About sixty percent of people said yes. Go ahead. Well, they're not a um, bastard like you. Man. <laughs> I'm not just a hard, <laughs> hard head. Yeah. Um, so th- that was the, the, the first version. The, the second version was where they gave a reason and, and like a, 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 a real reason, but you know, not a particularly compelling one. But the second one was, excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the Xerox machine because I'm in a rush? Okay. 94% of people said yes. 94. 94%. Right? Oh, so almost cool. everybody said, yep, sure. And, the, the, and so that, that's pretty consistent with what we understand, you know, with what they understood would happen. Right. They then had a, a placebo excuse. So they did the same, the same sort of thing, but with what they call the placebo explanation. Excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the Xerox machine because I have to make copies? 
Right, right. I love that. So one. there's no there's no new information. No reason. In that. No no new information in that. No. Uh, it, but it does contain a because, and ninety three percent of people. So only one percent less than the than we read. Anyway, the, the, what it, what they uh, understood from this is that humans love to have a re reason for doing what they do. And mm -hmm. so if you can give somebody a reason, if you can add the word because, uh, even if it's just, and particularly for small things, even if it uh, is a, a lame reason, uh, people will be much more likely to comply. But we're so, not advocating lame reasons, are we? No, no, no not, not, not advocating, advocating the, re the research just demonstrates that. So when the stakes are low, yep. any reason will do. Right. Okay. Gotcha. But of course, there was a, a, a little bit more that they did, which is where they, they raised the stakes. And this time it was 20 pages. So exactly the same, uh, exactly the same research, but 20 pages this time. So substantially more, you know, more time, bigger impost. And uh, in, the, in the sort of the original condition, which is, uh, I, excuse me, I have 20 pages, may I use a Xerox machine? Only 24% uh, of people said yes. Okay. Drops down. So drops substantially. 64 to 24. Yep. The, when you have a, the, 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 the next one, excuse me, I have 20 pages. May I use the Xerox machine because I'm in a rush? 42%. Right? So it's almost double the amount of people will comply with the request by giving a valid reason, the because. And interestingly, with the, uh, the third condition, excuse me, I have five... Oh, excuse me, I have 20 pages. May I use the Xerox machine because I have to make copies? 24%. Same, same as, the, uh, as the no reason given. So it didn't condition. fly. So, it didn't fly so, yeah, when the stakes are higher, uh, a lame reason doesn't cut it. But a valid reason does. So uh, lots of implications for that. But really interesting that just adding the reason, adding the word because, can dramatically increase the likelihood that people will comply with what you're asking. <laughs> nice one. Love it. Love it. I'll, that one's, oh, no, I'm not going to say what I'm going to do with that. That's the ratings at the end. Um, okay. So what do you like about that? What I like about it? Well, I mean, I like it. It's research basis. You know, it's a Harvard professor. Actually, I like that little thing you said, and now she's the head of the department. So she wasn't a fly-by-night. This oh, is yeah. a Harvard professor who has kicked some serious butt over her career well, in the, uh, over, uh, over these years. Yeah. So Ellen Langer, she is famous now because she's like the, the, the mother, the, the parent of the mindfulness movement. She wrote the 1989 book Mindfulness, which kicked it off. Oh. And her research, the, the research that she was, she was conducting was called The Mindlessness of Ostensibly Thoughtful Action, The Role of Placebic Information. Anyway, blah, 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 blah. but uh, it, it was studying mindfulness and mindlessness. Yeah, right. Um, interesting, so, interesting. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's a nice, you know, beginning of the story because it immediately sets an amount of credibility attached to what you're about to say, right? And and said in in an informal way to just you know in a in a very conversational way. So I like, really like that. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't say that stuff about her mindfulness credentials. No, no, so, no. Uh, but you did say that she rose to the head of the. Department. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but and I and I like the you know the threes. Of course, you know there's three conditions. So you know stories seem to like threes. So that I thought that was good too. And I and I thought it was very. Well, I could picture it. I could see the person cutting in, and 
for some reason, it got me thinking straight away about other situations where people cut in and the excuses they use and what works. So I was immediately thinking of standing in the line to check in at an airport and, you know, someone cuts in because their flight's late and no one complains, you know, even though it's high stakes, you know, you've been standing there for ages, but hey, the guy's flight's late. I mean, what, what can you do? Right. Yep. You know, and he course he jumps in and no one really worries too much about it. Well, and, and I look at it and I go, you know, one day that's going to be me. Yes, uh, that's it. And you want to be able to you know, get that flow through. So yeah. that was, I thought that was good for the story as well. Uh, yeah. What about you? What do you like about it? Well, like, it's such a simple thing, cutting in at a photocopier line. And yes. I don't know about you, but for me, when I first heard about this research, I can, I can picture the photocopier. I can picture the thing happening. I, I can't tell you where it is. I've got some some imagery of photocopier machines in my mind from somewhere, but uh, it's really effective in just conjuring imagery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those everyday situations, right? Yeah. Mind you, it doesn't happen these days. Photocopier machines have gone by the uh, the dinosaurs, I think. Um, yeah. Don't see a photocopier machine these days. Uh, so we might have uh, to scan and list. printers. That's right, scanners and printers. <laughs> the yeah. um, and you know the one of the other things too is that you could almost hear it and not even think it's a story. I mean, it has all the story elements in it, but because you're hearing it as this research that has been done, right? So, and because it has, you know, we did this followed by this, and then we tried that, and then we tried this. You know, it has all the, it is definitely a story, but a listener wouldn't really hear it as, I'm going to sit back and, re- and relax into this story. They're just hearing it as research. I think that's good too. Yeah, it's, it's a very invisible story and, and very easy to, uh, in a business context. Yes, yes. And even though you got all those statistics right, you could tell it without getting them right but just mm-hmm. in the ballpark and you would still make your point. Yep. Right? All you'd have to say is, well, you know, they did the, the first, you know, sort of test and, you know, they, they got a, you know, a relatively good amount of people who allowed them to cut in, but they did it again. And just about everyone, you know, you can sort of change it like that. It would still have the impact. It, um, it doesn't sound as scientific, mind you. Yeah. And if you can throw, if you can remember those sort of things, you know, all power to you, uh, it would help your story, but you don't have to have it, I don't think. Yeah. So in, in uh, putting this into my story bank, um, making sure that I've got the little table um, right. with the, with the data the in it, will, mm. you know, to make sure that I've got the facts. Yeah. Uh, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be making sure I did that to increase the chance of... Yeah. Of, of I mean, if I, was, if I was telling that at a you know, as a keynote in a big conference somewhere, I would get those facts. If I was telling mm-hmm. it to my team, you know, and it just occurred to me as I walked in the door, gee, I should tell them about why we should use the word because it would make no difference whether I had the, you yeah. know, the, the statistically uh, correct percentages. Um, I think the other thing too is that extension part, you know, the, the, when, when the stakes are higher, um, yeah. You, could, you wouldn't have to tell that in a smaller group, you know, because you might be just trying to get that one simple message across, which is, you know, have a cause, 
have a you know a reason and people will probably agree to your proposition yeah and so that's yeah it's the story is quite compressible and expandable yeah 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 uh what would we do to make it even better um well, I think again, that the, the the response to that depends on the con, on the context. Yeah. How long do you have? Who are you talking to? What's the point that you're trying to get across at that moment in time? Um, and I think that would be a, a really really cool one minute story if you wanted your team to go out and make and 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 before you tell the the stakeholders what you want, you tell them why you want it. Yes, yes, that's right. There was something in the story that you did which I thought, oh, that's just someone who's an experience, you know, someone who tells a lot of stories does that naturally, but it may not come to someone who's learning to share stories. And that is just how you paste it and the pausing. So just before you got to the, you know, big insight around the, you know, the, you know, and it went up to 94%, you left a nice pause there. Right. And, yeah, I'm sure you probably weren't even, weren't even thinking no, about it. I, I was, I was waiting to. I, I'm very keen to get this insight. <laughs> yeah, no, no, because <laughs> I'm but not I think aware. This is what happens? You know, when you start to share stories regularly, you you just know what the places where you need to give that pause to let the audience either catch up for you or create that little bit of tension, so that they're waiting for the answer, and bam, you give the answer, and you know it's something a little bit remarkable right so you know you do that naturally and i think people who are sharing their stories for the first time not the first time but they're learning to share stories they don't probably don't understand how important that is right so i guess i'm just trying to put a, a light on that that pacing and pausing actually does make a big difference to how your yep. story is received yeah particularly if you want to emphasize a part of the story or to add that dramatic or the, add, add the tension or mm. highlight something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, where are we going to use this, Mark? Well, uh, for me, the, a really simple one is in, if you're in any sort of change program and you've got to communicate around change. So when you're talking to team, folks, here's the thing our stakeholders are much more likely to engage with this change if they understand why. Let me give you an example. Back in da-da-da-da. Mm, yes. So when you're out there, the first thing you need to make sure they understand is the reason. It's the because. It's the why. You know, it's so interesting that, uh, I mean, of course, a lot of people are now saying, oh, so we have to start with the why. We have to start with the why. But no one gives a reason why we have to start with the why. Right? So this is, this is the reason. I know this is very meta. Yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like they'll sort of yep. say, uh, Simon Sinek, you know, he said, start with the why, you know, but it's not like Simon Sinek gives any reason for it. You know, he sort of vaguely tells a, a story about what Apple does. Um, but this is research that explains why this is so important. Why the why? Yep. Why the why? So I think that's, that's, that's an important element of it as well. Yeah. That's, yeah. But I, you know, I think that's any time. Uh, the, the, the next question that pops into my mind is what makes a good why, right? I mean, we, we sort of got a, a little bit of an insight in from that paper that obviously you have the placebo whys, which are nothingness and don't have any impact. 
uh, well, except in the low stakes, but in, you know, probably the sort of stakes that people are mainly interested in are going to be the higher stakes. Um, and, but what makes a good reason? And I suspect now you have, you, this is where politics or politicians have, have learnt things which, um, you know, they, they know, for example, that a fearsome why um, will actually motivate people. They know that, uh, you know, people don't like to lose things. You know, it's, it's that whole... Um, anyway, you could go through a whole bunch of psychological biases that we have, you know, uh, loss aversion uh, bias or any of those things, you know, they would give you insights into different whys. But you've got to be careful. You don't want to... You don't want to be making stuff up or scaring people. You might be able, you know, just to get some, just to get your photocopying done. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, having a having a, a a compelling why is vital, but as you say, you don't want to make it up because then you you risk the whole thing becoming implausible. If you know, because people are great BS detectors. Yeah. And. Uh, if you make something up and it's not plausible, well, sorry, if you make something up and they get some sense of it, and one of the tests that they often apply is plausibility. Um, and that's, it's, that's an important one as well, because you might have a, a perfectly valid reason, a, a, a perfectly valid why, a perfectly valid because, but it might be implausible to the listener. So yeah. even if it is completely true, it's still going to be ineffective if the listener finds it implausible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, For me, this is a this is a really good when I'm talking about clarity stories and ah, uh, yeah, right, explaining things. This is this is uh, I will definitely be using this as part of my explanation of why the clarity story is so important because yes. it doesn't talk about the what until you understand the why, the reason for change, the reason that we've got a challenge, the reason we've got an opportunity. Right. And because of that, we are proposing this. Yeah, so remember, uh, for those who are listening who haven't heard of the Clarity Story, it's just one of the story patterns that we teach in our programs. It's, it's got four parts. In the past, it was like this. Then something happened. So now we're doing this so the future can be like that. And if you like those cause and effect elements are built into it really gives the why as to why you're doing the thing you're doing um cool well is so there anything other, we need other to business, add other other well let's think about so business applications so yep change management uh well i guess any any time you're in fact you know what any it's any time you're explaining something yeah if you're maybe not explaining i would i would go one step further and say anytime you're persuading you know because I could explain, well, you know, well, when you add two plus two, Mark, it equals four. You know, I don't need to use any sort of uh, persuasive argument for that. Um, okay. So I guess if you're explaining any decision, any change, any strategy, yes. any idea, yep. something like that. Yeah. I, um, I agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, if you're just telling somebody to go to the shops, you don't need yeah, the cause. Right. No. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, yeah. So, wow, we've, we've run out of business applications very quickly. On, on I think it's because we picked up such a big one, you know, persuasion. We just say, okay, anything to do yeah. anything that rubric is fine. So 
Uh, so let's yep. go. Let's go to rating then. If we all right that, uh, my I get to go first. Here's um, your story. So let me think. Um, definitely a reusable story. I mean, this is you know, it's, it's one I've known for a while, um, and yeah, I think this is an eight for me. This is an eight. Eight out of ten. Yep. It's it's a it's one of those really useful. It doesn't have like like a lot of these scientific paper type stories. It doesn't have big emotional impact or anything like that. It's one of those you know logical um, you know interesting sort of stories as opposed to the heartfelt stories. Yeah, yeah. It's like a valuable story without having a lot of emotional impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and look for me, I also have known it for a while, but it's it's only in doing the research and reading into it, and 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 I I, I love that this took me back to the original research paper as well. Um, that was very valuable finding out about the additional study about the uh, the higher stakes. So for me, it was you know, it's, it's been a bit of a sleeper, but now that I've got that, I will be using this. So I'm giving it an eight as well. Okay, two eights. My yeah. God, we're really we're green. That's even better. <laughs> wow, that's and that is very rare. Well, guys, that's I think. So. Don't forget to go to that free webinar on success stories. I think you'll really enjoy that. And um, and and any comments, any thoughts for new stories, just pop them in the, the comment sections of uh, the podcast webpage, and we'd love to to learn more about them and perhaps share them on the show. But yeah, thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking, and tune in next week. Tuesday mornings, I think these uh, podcasts come out. Oh, by the way, I think we're number 14 in New Zealand at the moment in management. Oh, top of the pops. Look at oh. that. Look at that. We're <laughs> breaking new ground. But anyway, yeah, uh, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.